Welcome back to Your Real Source, the podcast about real estate. And we're going to have a great interview today with Tracy DeWitt, the COO of My Real Source. And we're also going to talk about the pandemic curve and a few other things before we get to that interview. So let's start out with if you haven't visited our website, it's yourrealsource.info. If you go there, you'll see under each episode, there's a little button that says continue reading. And if you click on that, it'll take you to the place where we put our pandemic curve graphs. And what we've been doing is doing weekly graphs because the market has been changing so rapidly because of the pandemic. And usually we do monthly, uh, but weekly is much better in these times. And what we've discovered is that we can show the weekly dip during the eight weeks that was the peak of the pandemic curve. And it went down quite a bit, but still left uh, about a third of the business that was still done. But after that, it kept coming back and back and back. And now we're to the point where you can see that this year's new listings for last week and the pendings for new pendings for last week and the new close for last week are all above last year's levels. So it's really an interesting graph and go ahead and take a look at that. Okay. And let's move on to the next sub. Wait, sounds like we have a question from one of our listeners. Jake, do we have a question? Yes, we do. Dave, I noticed sometimes on syndication sites, my photos don't appear for a day or two, even after I add them to the MLS. Why is this? And how do I keep this from happening in this hot market? Yeah, you're right. It is a hot market. And the way to keep that from happening is make sure you've got all your photos in at the time you put the listing in. Don't come back later to put them in because what happens is the media files for photos are so large that all the syndication sites wait to see them loaded in the middle of the night. They see them as an edit. They don't see them as a a new listing. And so what happens is it can take a day for your photos to show up if you didn't put them in at the same time. If you put them in at the same time, it's seen as a new listing with new media files, and they'll grab them all up at the same time. But if you put them in later in a different session, they're going to see them as an edit, and they will come a lot later, sometimes a day or two later. So try not to do that, especially in this hot market, because you only get one chance for a new listing to be a new listing. And remember, if you would like to ask a question that we can answer in the next podcast, go to yourrealsource.info, and there's a place there where you can ask a question. So now let's move on to our next segment, which is our etiquette minute. Jake, can you start the courtesy clock? Okay, now we're going to talk about pets. So we have people that are have the sellers that have dogs, cats, goldfish, things like that. Not so much the goldfish, but the dogs and the cats. It's a good thing to let everybody know if there is a dog, if there is a, a, a cat. Some people have allergies. Uh, the other thing is some dogs could be a little uh, vicious or might intimidate uh, buyers. So we want to make sure that they're um, noted in the remarks and everybody knows and they know that they're going to be in a crate or they're going to be locked in a room or whatever the situation is so that everybody can stay safe and they can concentrate on whether they want to buy the home. 
And we did it in less than a minute. And as I mentioned, we have a very special guest today, Tracy DeWitt, the COO, Chief Operating Officer for My Real Source. And we get to talk to her today, so we're going to try and get her on the line. Tracy, are you there? Are you on the line? Yes, I am. Good morning. All right. Good morning. Thank you for doing this. This is going to be great for our listeners of the podcast. So the way we usually like to start out is to have you tell us a little bit about you, your history with uh, My Real Source. Uh, Let's start with that. Sure. Actually, it was kind of weird because it was after my mom passed, I just wanted to get out of the house more and get my mind off things. And took a part-time position over at my real source when they were located on Gratiot. I was part-time and working the front desk and it was only maybe a week and all of a sudden I was offered full-time front desk and I enjoyed it. I learned a lot and then soon after the CEO at that time was Virginia Bratt and she offered me the executive assistant position Loved learning all that, and she retired in 2008. Now I'm lucky to have them working side-by-side with you, the one, the only, illustrious Dave Derese. Well, no, (laughs) I'm the the lucky officer. I'm the lucky one because I get to work with you, so there we go. All right, we're both just as lucky. Okay, (laughs) all right, we're equally lucky. All righty. Okay, so if you can give us an idea of... What kind of things do you handle for my real source? What hats do you wear? Things like that. Lots of hats. <laughs> In fact, we have a little saying that is kind of like herding cats. Joking aside, our team is the best and we do love our member- members just as much. Uh, however, yeah, juggling uh, multiple staff, directors, committees, you know, it keeps everything active. My day flies by. I have never watched a clock and I don't think I ever will. <laughs> I, my hands are in everything. I could be doing minutes, one minute, scheduling for another, dealing with a complaint on the phone. It's such a variety. I I really can't just say one thing that I do. I'm kind of a a do-it-all kind of gal. (laughs) Well, that's great. Now, we had a a conversation with Monica, who handles membership, and I know that uh, when we bring on a new broker, being that we're broker-owned, I think you're the one that picks up the ball and issues a share of stock. Can you talk about how the we're a broker-owned MLS and the, this idea that there's a share of stock, how that's different from other MLSs? Sure, yes. Uh, my real source is the only broker-owned MLS in the state of Michigan, and we love that. Uh, this allows our brokers to feel confident that they retain the ownership of their data. They're simply licensing that data to the MLS and for use in the MLS with its products and tools by our members. Um, Searches, CMAs, scheduling showings, writing offers, that kind of thing. So they always retain that ownership of the data. Many other MLSs, you know, they believe, you know, they put it in their MLS and they own that data. We believe the brokers own that data always and can always say where their data is going they retain that ownership. And when they come on board with us, you know, there's an application fee and a share of stock. 
that share of stock gives each individual broker, no matter if they're a large broker, small broker, they all have that one vote. If they're attending a, a shareholder meeting and there's something up for voting, everybody has that one vote. And that's important, you know, it, it gives them a chance to have their say so when it comes to any bylaw changes, um, things like that, how the MLS is running. It's important that they have their say. Now, if there's a share of stock, is there then a shareholders meeting and do you uh, organize that? Yes, actually, I'm in that process already. I know it's July. Our annual meeting is always held in October, but there's a process that has to go on that leads up to that. But yes, uh, we do have a shareholder meeting every, it's an annual meeting and it's always in October. Um, with the pandemic and everything, you know, with the social distancing and all, this year our annual meeting will be held virtually. Um, it may be a go-to webinar or a Zoom. We'll work out the details and we will definitely notify our shareholders uh, in the coming months exactly what those details will be. But many places, MAR, NAR, everybody is kind of, you know, putting everything on hold and going with virtual meetings at this point. And we plan to do the same. So make sure you mark those calendars for all you shareholders that it will be held Thursday, October 22nd. Uh, and I will definitely be getting information out to you regarding the process, how we're gonna, going to do it, and the same notifications that come out every year. We will lead up to going into a nominating committee and we'll be getting all the nominations out that kind of so, so if, if there was a member of ours that was interested in running for the board of directors, how would they do that? How do they go about that? Uh, they can simply call me uh, at the MLS. My extension is 112. Or they can email me at tdewitt at mirealsource.net and just let me know that they're interested and I can answer any questions that they might have. Things like we, our typical meetings for directors, they meet once a month. It, it is scheduled. It's usually a Tuesday morning and once a month, fourth Tuesday of the month. But I can kind of go through that with them, let them know what kind of commitment they're looking at, how the process works, that kind of thing. So how many shareholders are there all together or how many are available to, you know, as open seats to, to run for each year? Oh, for open seats, uh, it's usually three open seats each election. There is one seat that would expire on each category. We do have categories within our membership. There's an upper, a middle, and a lower third. And the way that's set up is each member coming in, each director that's running for election, when they're running, they're, they're going for a three-year term. So every year, th there's one in each category that will be expiring and up for election. So if there's three seats and there were for three-year terms, so that means there's nine uh, board of directors at all times. Yes, always nine. There could be a tenth if we carry over a, a past president, but typically the share the directors is a body of nine. So then, do they have to run in the category that's in they're in, and how do you determine who's in what category? Yes, yes, that's important. Yes, the way we do that is I take the total number of closed listing units reported to my real source by all the shareholders for a 12-month period. 
that ending the June 30 immediately preceding that election. So I'm, I've already done this. I'm already in the process of establishing our upper, middle and lower. So I take those numbers and I actually, the number of shareholders reported in the top two thirds, I'll take the total units, divide it by three. Then I take what number would make up the top two thirds. And I, then I divide that by two and that would be your upper and your middle. All the remaining would be in the lower one third. But yes, it is important that when they're running for election, that they are voted on by their peers in their category. So you don't want somebody making decisions in your upper one third for those in the lower one third. They might think a little differently based on the size of uh, their office, things that they have in place with their office. You might have a seven admin working for you and this is not an issue for you. Small man might only have one admin or no admins helping him and his agents. So they kind of think a little differently, but they all have that same one vote. Same what we said with the shareholders having a vote at the annual meeting. Same thing with our board of directors. It doesn't matter if you're in the upper, middle or lower. Each person on the board of directors, they have one vote. So you say you, it's important that the, the, you're voting for your category. You're representing that area of the membership. So you say you check the uh, uh, sales. Is it the closed listings that you yes, check? Yes, closed listing units for the year prior. <clears throat> okay. And so those would be determined. You've already determined them. So if someone were to contact you, they you'd be able to tell them what category they'd be in? Yes, I, I just pulled numbers as a matter of fact yesterday, and I'm in the process of putting together that final list to give to our nominating committee, and they'll be meeting here at the end of this month. Okay, so let's say that they contacted you, got their name, gave it to the nominating committee. Maybe the nominating committee looks at a whole bunch of names, and they didn't end up nominating their, them is there still a, another way for them to uh, get on the ballot? Yes, most definitely. Any shareholder can always, even if they're not nominated by that nominating committee, they can always have the opportunity to petition to run. And all that takes is when I know, when I send out the notification of the elected, not the elected, I'm sorry, the candidates that are up for election, there's always going to be a petition form. Now, all you have to do as a shareholder, if you did want to run and you didn't get nominated, you just have five shareholders within your category, and there will be a list along with that uh, petition form to show you where, what category you're in. And then I just need five signatures from within your category of other sh active shareholders that are saying, yes, I want to, to place this person on the ballot and you're added to the ballot, and you are now a, a candidate up for election. So basically, there's two different ways to get on the ballot. One is through the nominating committee. The other is through the petition with five signatures. Correct, yes. Okay. And then when would the actual election happen? The election, again, in the notices that I sent out, I will let you know that the ballot is now placed up in the vote net system. And we've been using that for several years and it's working great. So they vote online. Uh, 
Pardon me? They vote online then. Yes, voting online. It's through VoteNet, and we've been using it for years, and I know some of the associations use the same system. It works great. Uh, but we would let you know that when they're opening, that they are now there placed, and you have at least 20 days before the election to start that process of voting. Uh, and it always closes the day prior to the shareholder meeting. So our shareholder meeting being the Thursday, October 22nd, the voting would close on the 21st by like 3 p.m. Then we take the winners of the election and we would notify at the shareholder meeting who won uh, the election in each category. So they find out at the shareholder meeting itself? Yes, yes. Okay. All right. And is there anything else that uh, we need to know about the election process? Uh, that pretty much covers it. I think everybody is pretty aware of how it works, but it's just important to, even if you're, you think that your vote doesn't matter, it does. So it only takes a minute to vote, literally a minute to two minutes, if that, to log in and cast your vote. So we, we hope that everybody will participate in the uh, actual voting Okay, so let's move on from uh, that to uh, some of the other things that you oversee. So I know that uh, there's always talk about fines and you know, I might get a fine or what, what can we uh, uh, tell our members about that? Sure. Yeah, a lot of um, things that do come across and some of the most uh, frequent questions uh, that come up is people ask, you know, how in the heck do I avoid these fines? I've got a fine for reporting my listing or appending. And it's important to know those rules. Those are the most frequently issued fines. And the reason for the fine is just to keep that inventory current. Uh, it's very important if there's, there's no inventory right now. So the, if you're holding back a listing, it's not fair within the membership that you're aware of that listing and somebody else isn't. So entry time is very important. So the way that this works is any listing that you have is re required to be put in the MLS. And just remember that 48 hour rule is what we're looking at. Usually for late, for late listing, entry is within 48 hours of your signatures. Uh, excluding weekends and holidays, we never take those into consideration. We, we exclude those. Late pending, same thing. If you're going to have an accepted offer, you want to get that in the system within 48 hours of uh, the accepted offer. Late sold, again, exact same thing, 48 hours after closing. We think that two days is enough, and most MLSs have pretty similar rules regarding timing because it is, the data is important, that data accuracy. Everybody is on the edge of their seats looking at inventory today because of the situations. So yes, timing is everything. And all you have to do to avoid that is just remember that 48 hour rule. And I know that some of those can now be uh, changed in HomeSnap uh, on their phone out in the field. So, oh, that makes it very easy for yeah, everyone. Makes it yeah, easy. just click that phone and, you know, just update that status. That's yep. all you have to do. So uh, I got a question. What if somebody 
was intending on uh, making sure that they put their uh, pending in, but they were abducted by aliens. Can they <laughs> can they uh, ask you f- to waive the the uh, fine because yes, they were abducted we always, by aliens? We always are here to listen. Trust you know that's what it's all about. We want this for education purposes. It's more about bringing that education to them. Why is the fine there? How to avoid it? You know, if they're not a repeat offender and they don't abuse it, definitely just call me, email me. There is a there is a actual request form for fine disputes at myrealsource.com that you can actually fill that request out. Just tell me what was going on, why it happened. Just give me a brief explanation. I'll look at it, and if I can waive it, I will waive it. But the real uh, purpose of the fines is the education side of it. Yes, that's what it's all about. Uh, we we use the <laughs> the situation like with speeding. If if the if the police officer didn't pull you over and give you a ticket, would you really be concerned? Probably not. But when they pull you over, you see those lights. You're like, oh, and you start paying attention. That's all this is. And it's an education. And it's important. You want to avoid that fine just update your listings and your statuses. And it's but if you're going to abuse it, if you think you can call me every time and you're just not going to, you know, go with those rules and update on your own, I can only waive them once in a while. I can't waive everything. I need to educate you. So yeah, don't abuse it and think call me every time. But most certainly if there's an instance that happens, we're here, we forgive, we get it. We know you're busy. So you can only use that abducted by aliens uh, excuse once. You can't use the same excuse every time because after a while we're like, hey, you know, we mark your file. We know who we waive fines for and when. If it's been a while, we let it slide. If If it's constant, then, hey, you know, you were warned here. We tried to explain. We did waive. We want you to educate yourself. And it's important to keep the database uh, as accurate as possible. That That's helps exactly everybody. the purpose. Yes. Now I know there's besides the late pennings and late sold, sometimes people uh, have a problem with uh, what's in their remarks uh, sections. Yeah, that's another tricky one, but they're learning. the The public remarks fines have really went down over the years. They're getting it, and now they know. <laughs> But a lot of times, you know, they they do have to remember that what they put in agent remarks is different than public. So don't just do copy paste because what you can put in agent remarks talking about submit your offer here or there, that doesn't belong in public. So don't just do copy paste. Use them for what they're intended for. That public remarks, that's for the description of the property. That's what you want to use that for. Uh, You don't want to put contact your listing agent. You're, you're directing the public. They feel like they need to get with the listing agent for looking at it, any showings, offers, that kind of thing. It is agent of choice. You have to remember your public remarks are actually going out to the IBX site. So you're putting in a phone number and contact Tom at this office and here's my number and it's actually going on somebody else's IDX site that way. So they're advertising to their buyers, somebody looking at their website and reading your information. So that's why it's so important. Just leave it, 
to the description of the property and you will not get a public remark fine. All right, and the, I would think there's also uh, for the uh, private, the agent remarks, you gotta be careful what you put in too. Yeah, agent remark, uh, yeah, you, you, you do need to be careful. I mean, it is for agent and they should not be sharing agent remarks when they send out listings and notices to their buyers. So they should never see those anyway. But the point is, yes, always use caution. Know what you're putting in those remarks. Now, are you staying up really, really, really late at night looking for all these problems? Or is it <laughs> is it more of a case yes. where people are <laughs> letting yeah, you know? I, I, I sit up nightly and just watch for public remarks. No, I do not. Uh, there's reports that are generated, and it's looking for phone numbers, code words like contact list office, contact list agent. We're looking for, you know, websites, the dot coms, all that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a sophisticated system. It's just a system that pulls anything that looks like it's an issue. And yeah, we scroll through and it pulls those out. And that's what's looked at. We go in, we have to modify the listing. We remove what is the issue. And then the agent is notified immediately that, you know, we re updated your remarks. This is what was found and a fine has been issued. Now, when other agents uh, find things that shouldn't be where they're at, they just sit quietly or do they tell you about it? No, 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 no. They all want a fair playing ground. So they're all about using, uh, they either report it directly, they'll call or email. But the best way to report anything that's wrong with the listing, and I don't care if it's square footage, bedrooms, remarks, I don't care what it is. There's a correction button right in Paragon, right above your listing ticket. There's a uh, correction button that you just click on that and you can simply say, you know, this property doesn't have three bedrooms. It's a four bedroom. Why aren't they marketing it that way? But they surely want to scream if you say it's a four bedroom and it's only three. You know, the, the data is only as good as what's input and they're trying to get through their job just like everybody else. They're matching up that criteria that's in the system. And if it's garbage in, you get garbage out. So it's important to have accurate information in your listings. So yes, people use that correction button quite often. Okay, this has been really, really interesting. And if someone is interested in running for uh, one of the director positions, how do they get a hold of you again? Again, yes, I hope all this information today has been very helpful. Uh, but yes, anybody that is interested in running for election uh, for our board of directors, uh, just give me a call at 248-247-1040. My extension is 112, or you can email me at tdwitt at miresource.net. All right. Well, Tracy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, this interview. I think it's been very, very helpful. And we'll probably uh, talk to you again uh, later in the year. That'd be great. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Tracy DeWitt for doing the interview. I had a lot of fun doing that. I usually have fun working with her anyways, but it was especially fun doing a podcast with her. Podcasts are fun. 
And remember, if you want to visit our podcast website, it's yourrealsource.info, where you can ask a question, where you can see our pandemic uh, curve graphs, where you can link to our YouTube channel and see lots of other uh, content. But remember, it's not the source if it's not your real source.